Alright. Last week, my boys, my sons and I played ultimate frisbee in the park with some other people from Mitchabri Anglican, as well as some brothers and sisters from St Mary's Church down the road, and it was great fun. It's been a while since I've thrown a frisbee. Hopefully it won't be too long between when I throw another one again. But it was also wonderful to watch Chris Gray in full flight. It was another thing to watch half man, half giraffe, Nelson Hunt. Unbeatable this man is at Ultimate Frisbee. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I believed I too was a picture of agility and speed for about 30 minutes. And then I had nothing. My boys, half my age, less than half my age, kept going strong the whole game, but after 30 minutes, my battery was flat. Some might assume it had something to do with my fitness, but no, it was the smoke. (laughs) Of course, we all have a limit on how long our internal batteries can remain charged, can't we? And not just in sport, but in all areas of life, including our mission as followers of Jesus. Often, at this point of the year, we often feel mission-tired, individually and corporately as a church. We've been running for 11 months this year, seeing ministry programs started, resourced, developed. We've walked alongside people week in, week out, going through major life issues, and it takes a toll on us, personally, emotionally, relationally, and of course, spiritually as well. But no matter how much we have done, no matter how much energy we have spent, we also know, don't we, that our mission is not yet done. There is more to do. And the point of our annual recharge series is to acknowledge the reality that we cannot keep going in our own strength. Like a battery, we need to be charged up again and again and again. And what better source for a spiritual recharge than to plug back in to the life-renewing Word of God, and the book of Acts in particular, where we see the early church, despite all the hurdles and obstacles to their mission, hang in there and see God marvellously at work. And I hope that you have been recharged throughout this month of November. But the point of putting a battery on a charger is not for it to stay there on the charger. It's so that the battery can plug back into the things that it gives energy and movement to. We have been recharged this month of November, but we cannot stay where we are. We need to plug back in to the very mission that the Lord Jesus has for each and every one of us. And Acts 13 today is a great place for us to finish this season of recharge together. As we see this early church... Just keep pushing on. And the big idea from Acts 13 is this, that a recharged church is a reach-out church. A recharged church, and I hope that is us, will continue to be a reach-out church. Acts 13 is an account of Paul's first missionary journey. It's the first time we see a coordinated mission strategy of a local church. And it doesn't start with the church in Jerusalem, the mother church. They are not the first missionary sending church in a strategic kind of way. It's actually the church in Syria, in Antioch. And as we pledge together today for another season of mission together, I think there are three things we can learn from Acts 13 and 
and Antioch as a sending church uh, for us today. The first is this. We need to go out. We need to go out. In the early days, the church in Antioch had the wonderful blessing of having Paul and or that meant there was Saul. He becomes Paul actually in Acts 13. But back then it was Saul and Barnabas spent a whole year with the church in Antioch teaching and building up. Could you imagine having someone who's going to be an apostle in the church to spend a year with you, teaching you, encouraging you, discipling you, building you up? It would be an absolute incredible time. And now we read in Acts chapter 13 that this church has been charged up so much that there is, if you notice in verse 1 to 3 of Acts 13, this list now of capable prophets and teachers. Paul and Barnabas have managed to multiply themselves. This church is fully charged. And I believe it's because they are now fully charged that the Holy Spirit prompts their leaders, the leaders of the church in verse 2 and 3, to say this. Verse 2, as they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them to. Then after they had fasted, prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. The Spirit says, Church, you are fully charged. Now it's time to tell Saul and Barnabas, go. Go out. And... We see that Paul and Barnabas do. They go out. They, if you look at that map again, they they sailed across a little bit of ocean, the Mediterranean Sea, just a little bit of it, over to Cyprus. We didn't read it all in chapter 13, but you can read it when you go home. As they get to Cyprus, they, they walk across the island proclaiming the message of God. They had the joy of seeing another Gentile, a Roman proconsul, the governor of the island, turn to Christ. What a blessing that would have been. Then they sailed across to southern Turkey and they walked over land, continuing to proclaim the good news of Jesus until they come to another Antioch, Pisidian Antioch. And there we're told in verse 44 of chapter 13, almost the whole town assembled to hear the message of the Lord. Could you imagine all of Minchinbury? coming here this morning. Could you imagine the 350,000 people of Greater Blacktown come together to hear God speak to them? God was moving at this time. In verse 46, the message of the Lord spread through that whole region. Incredible. A recharged church is a reach-out church, but to reach out, people need to go. People need to go. Now, I'm sure it would have been much easier for the church in Antioch to keep all their talent to themselves, to remain comfortable, to keep on growing internally, but also in numbers as well. And who knows, maybe in time they could be the big church, bigger than the Jerusalem church. They could be the next big thing in Christian church history. And what church doesn't want to be bigger than their neighbour's church? But the church in Antioch knew that the gospel demanded a much bigger strategic vision. And so having been charged up by God, this church launched a mission campaign. And you notice they sent out their two very best, Paul and Barnabas. 
Oh, how much easier would it be to just keep hold of those two? But they said, no, God has brought us to this point. All in abundance, it's time for you to go. Men they loved, men they knew God had been working in, but men they also knew that God had bigger plans for them. Now, over the years, our church has seen many good men and women trained up for ministry and mission leave our church for the glory of God's kingdom. You may not know, but two of our, of our Mac men, if you like, Robert Boone and Simeon Cumberland, uh, who left our shores a few years ago, will be ordained into Anglican ministry at the beginning of next year. This year we've also seen Kate and Ricardo Lung, incredible ministry family that converted in our church, have been a great blessing and much of our Chinese ministry has resulted from their labours. We sent them to Tasmania earlier this year and they are having a great impact for God's kingdom there. Of course, for those of us that have remained, it can be hard at times, isn't it? When you see your friends go to Bible college, when you see key leaders leave our church, it can be hard because for those of us that remain, well, we have to pick up the slack at times. We have to do additional things. We have to train up other people for ministry, invest time and energy again into into others. But despite those challenges, has God not been faithful to us? Look around this morning. Has God not been faithful to us as we have sent people off into his mission field? Of course he has been faithful. When we have sent people off, God has brought more people to us. More people to to help us on our mission here in Minchinbury and beyond. A recharged church is a reach-out church, and a reach-out church, by definition, has to go. And so some of us will be leaving us at the end of this year. We'll say farewell to Simon Wang, our student minister, this year. We would have loved to have kept Simon here with us, a great resource to reaching out to our Chinese community and discipling our own Chinese members. But we know that the Lord has much more in store for Simon, given him a bigger strategic vision for the integration of Chinese and Anglo um, churches on mission together. And so although it's sad to say farewell to Simon at the end of this year, we send him out knowing that God will be with him and will be a great blessing to others. But I want to encourage you all, you need to go. Not with Simon, necessarily. (laughs) But the mission call of a reach-out church is to go. And you don't need to cross the suburbs. You don't need to even cross the seas like Paul and Barnabas. As we said a couple of weeks ago, you can just cross the street. And as you go, like Paul and Barnabas, take the word of God with you. Which is the second point of a reach-out church. A reach-out church goes, they go out, but they have the gospel in. In Acts chapter 13, as Catherine read it, it was the longest of Paul's recorded missionary sermons. So we're not going to reread it again. But what I want you to notice is the basic content of Paul's sermon. It was a four-point sermon. It hasn't quite worked up to the three-point sermon just yet. Point one, God has been faithful to his promises to Israel. Point two, God sent Jesus as the saviour of the world in accordance with those promises. Point three, Jesus was killed. 
Jesus died and was buried, but unlike the great King David, God raised this King Jesus back to life, never to see decay. And then his fourth point, or the application, if you like, of his sermon, was now full and final forgiveness is available to all who would put their trust in Jesus. The law of Moses couldn't do it, but Jesus can. That was Paul's sermon. Simply put, the gospel that Paul had within that he proclaimed was the biblical gospel. It wasn't a self-help gospel. It wasn't the prosperity gospel. It was the biblical gospel that Paul proclaimed. It was in him. It had changed him. And he preached it because he longed for it to change others as well. Now, there are many things in life where we long for change and we want to embrace change. Students who have just finished the high school certificate, university students who have just finished their final exams, longing for this new season of life. After Monday afternoon playing frisbee, I long for a new pair of socks. I think so did everybody else in my family as well. But there are some things in life where we are not at liberty to change. When I'm driving my car, no one is at liberty to change the radio station or what track it is on the CD player. If I'm listening to Taylor Swift, everybody is listening to Taylor Swift. If I'm listening to Keith Urban, you get out your acoustic guitars and you play along with me. Nobody's at liberty to change that when I am driving the car. But more seriously, when I'm driving, I'm also not at liberty to change the road rules to make my life easier. I'm not at liberty to speed if I'm in a rush to get somewhere. I'm not at liberty to run a red light just because a passenger is in a rush to get somewhere. I'm not at liberty to change those road rules because they're not my rules. They're rules that have been established for the good of all people, not just one. And I want to say it's the same with the gospel. It's not our gospel to change. It's God's gospel. It is his good news that has been accomplished in and through his son. We aren't at liberty to change that. The gospel changes us. We don't change the gospel. The gospel changes us. (coughs) Which is hard in our day and age today as we see our general culture moving further and further away from gospel principles. It would be much easier for us to just massage the gospel a little bit, change it a little bit, maybe not in the substance, but just around the edges, to make it more palatable to people in our community. But we are not at liberty to do that. We don't change the gospel. The gospel changes us. And so as we begin a new season of mission together as a recharged church, we must remember and take it to heart Paul's encouragement to the church in Rome when he would get there to say boldly, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. There is no stronger cause for change in this world than faithfully handing on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no stronger force to change your neighbour than to invite them to read the word of God with you. That will still be at the heart of our mission as we go forward together. And then thirdly, God over. We go out with the gospel in and we trust that God is over it all. You might have recorded as it was read before that as Paul and Barnabas shared the gospel in Pisidian Antioch, we're told of a mixed response. 
On one hand, many believed in the Lord Jesus, but on the other hand, many, particularly of the religious Jews, were jealous and opposed the work of Paul and Barnabas. And so continues the very pattern that we've seen throughout the whole story of Acts. When the gospel is proclaimed, there is rejoicing on one hand and rejecting on the other. It's been the pattern of ministry and mission from the beginning. But that the gospel is spurned by some doesn't stop Paul from spreading it. Paul and Barnabas don't go help, they don't get overwhelmed with disappointment that people reject the gospel. They don't give up when leaders in the community stir up persecution against them. Like Jesus' disciples in Matthew 10, they simply shake the dust off their feet and continue to go to the next place. Why do they persevere? Why do they hang in there despite all opposition and hurdles? Would it be much easier to stay back in Antioch with the, the encouragement of their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Why take the risk to their own life going to a different place trying to proclaim the gospel? The answer, I think, is in verse 47 and verse 48. Turn over the page, you can see. Verse 47. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and glorified the message of the Lord. And all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. There is the answer. Why did they persevere? Because they trusted that God is over it all. That God is king even over the mission of his people. Those who were saved were those that God has appointed to believe. They persevered in it because they knew it wasn't their particular strategic methods or their persuasive speech. They knew that God was over it all. Christmas is just around the corner, and I know that shocks some of you. It does to me as well. But I remember as a kid, in the lead up to Christmas each year, my, my parents would ask each of us siblings what we would like for Christmas. And we would eagerly write our list of the, you know, the toys and the gadgets and the games that we would love to have at the next Christmas. Now, I knew from a young age that my parents would not get me everything that I wrote down on my list. But I knew them enough that there would be at least one thing on that list that I would receive at Christmas. And so the lead-up to Christmas was never a disappointing lead-up. It was always a lead-up of eager expectation because I knew that something glorious was coming my way. And I think that's the same expectation that drove Paul and Barnabas on their mission. They knew that not everybody would respond favourably to their message Jesus himself had made that clear to his disciples. But they also knew that God had appointed some to believe. They didn't know who, they didn't know how many, they just knew that God had promised that some would believe. And so like a kid at Christmas, they went out eagerly, like a treasure hunt. They knew that there was treasure out there, they just had to find it. And so they continued to persevere. They didn't know who. A Roman proconsul in Cyprus. Who would have thought? Praise God. Maybe an accountant in Antioch came to faith. 
praise God, an accountant has come to faith. And that should be our attitude as we begin a new season of mission together. Yes, it's going to be challenging. Yes, it's going to be hard. We may continue to be rejected by our, our political leaders and our media. We may face difficulty at school or at university or wherever we are, but that doesn't stop God. And it won't stop the spread of his gospel because God has still appointed some to believe. And we get to go find How good is that? Just this week I heard the father of one of our long-term congregation members who had for years and years and years remained hard-hearted to God and the gospel. He has terminal cancer. But just in this last week, at the encouragement of his son, the answer to many people's prayers, made peace with God, gave his life to Christ. Said to people in that hospital room, I have faith in Jesus. You're not it. How good is that? Praise God. After this service today, we're going to baptise Cindy Kong, who has come to faith this year, or the last few years, as a testimony to what God has done in her life. Let these moments continue to recharge you for mission, because God is over it all. A recharged church must be a reached-out church. Now, maybe you're here today just because you're visiting or a family member dragged you along. I'm glad that you're here and that you can share in our celebration today. And I want to encourage you as we lead up into Christmas, maybe it's no accident that you're here. Maybe take the time over the next month in the lead up to Christmas to get to know this Jesus that has brought us together. Read one of the biographies in the Bible about his life, his death and resurrection. And I reckon if you give yourself to that enterprise, by the end of it you will be amazed at who he is and what he has done. And if you need some help guiding that journey, then one of the staff here would love to spend that time with you. And for the rest of us, those of us that have been recharged this month of November, it's time to plug the batteries back in. It's time to get this ship moving again. We long to see all people in multicultural Western Sydney and beyond renewed through the love of Jesus Christ. We need to go out with the gospel in, trusting it doesn't depend ultimately on us, but the God who is over it all. So where will you go in 2020? Who will you engage with in 2020? What steps do you need to take to be confident in sharing Jesus with your neighbours, friends, work colleagues? Do you need some training? We will give it to you. Do you need some encouragement? Be encouraged. Do you need prayer? We've got it coming. But a recharged church is a reach-out church. So go out to the gospel here, believing that God is over it all. There are people out in our community who have been appointed to believe. We just need to go together. Will you join me? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he has lived the life that we couldn't, died the death that we deserve, and rose again to offer us life now and forever. We give you great thanks for that good news. May that good news so move in our hearts that it can't stay there, but just needs to get out. So, Father, help us to follow the church in Antioch. Help us to follow Saul and Barnabas. 
help us to go where we need to go with the gospel in fully trusting that you have got it covered in Jesus' name. Well, friends, now we're going to hear another testimony of a member of our church where God has been faithfully at work this year. Can I encourage you to make welcome Leslie Suters? 